claiming responsibility for everything. Any problem that you've got in your life or in your business, it's ultimately always your fault. <laughs> and yeah. if you can own up to all these things that are going wrong, it opens you up to the ability to fix it and learn from it. Welcome to the Pitched Industries Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on and welcome back to another episode of the Pitched Industries podcast. For those of you who have not heard of Pitched Industries before, we are an online community welcoming people from all creative fields who are eager to learn about the stories behind some of today's most influential creatives. Today I'll be sharing a conversation I had with an extremely talented photographer, filmmaker and all-round switched on guy, Brendan Foster. You might have seen some of his aerial photography and video clips reposted by countless big-name Instagram feeds such as the WSL and Stab Magazine. On this episode, we learn from Brendan about how he goes building relationships with big brands and companies, how men should approach commercial fashion shoots, the best advice he has ever received, as well as a heap of other stuff. I got a lot out of this chat with Brendan, and I'm sure you will as well. So let's get straight into it. Brendan, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. It's um, it's a pleasure. I'm, uh, like I said, just um, pre-interview that I'm not really sure why I'm on, but um, I really hope to try and bring some value to anyone that's listening. I just want to start this interview out by just going over the basics. Where does photography and filmmaking start for you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, so going pretty far back then, sort of my first job, uh, my second job, my first job was at a pizza shop. My second job was actually at a photography store. So they were printing photos and the owner was actually a wedding photographer shooting all on film back in those days. And at the time I was doing my TEE year 11 and then dropped out into Vock. And going back into year 12, I actually never went back because I just found this love for photography in the business that I was working in. And just sort of the day year 12 was supposed to go back, I decided that I don't want to do that and I want to chase photography so that's kind of where the love for it all came from the gentleman's name that I worked for was Colin Bywaters and an awesome guy and I actually did um, a couple of wedding shoots on film with some old Minolta cameras with him sort of for my first thing so that's kind of where it all started I guess and also stems from my brother in school was studying it and my mum was into it and as a kid, I probably just sort of followed whatever my older brother was doing because I wanted to be like him. So that, that's sort of where it started. A lot of your style and, and your works are kind of revolved around surfing and previously within the fashion industry. Where, where do those influences come from? Yeah, sure. So um, they're kind of two completely different perspectives. So I'll sort of talk about each one separately. The surfing um, obviously comes from I am a surfer. I grew up bodyboarding and surfing as well and just a love for the ocean and wanting to capture those moments at the same time and actually had a struggle previously where I'd want to shoot but I'd also want to surf and surfing kind of always won over. In recent years, I've had some injuries that have led me to not be able to surf and instead shoot, which I'm actually like pretty grateful for in hindsight. So that's where the surf photography comes from and a lot of the surfing stuff I do is also nature-inspired. And I just have a huge love for nature. It's where I've grown up, like in country towns, and I just can't handle the cities and things like that. And um, that's actually where the tie-over into the sort of fashion and swimwear and editorial stuff I did came from. It came from whenever I went to do one of those shoots, it was actually 
more based on the location I was going to than the model or the clothing itself. I needed to go to a place that I was inspired by and try and capture that person in that location. And that's sort of how the two loves crossed over, I guess. The editorial stuff I still love. I don't do any more at the moment. I plan on doing it in the future. But yeah, that, that's sort of where those two tie over. Talking about those influences you've had in the past, has there been any other major influences in your life which has taken its toll on your work? And is there anything which you've learned along the way that maybe you wished you had learned earlier or more quickly in your journey? Besides sort of nature and just the, the general beauty of things, that's sort of where the influences come from, just things that I love really. But outside influences like people, for editorial, there's only actually one person that I've ever sort of looked at their work and gone far out. I, that's, it, that's it. I love it. And his name is Cameron Hammond. And I've actually had the pleasure of sitting down and having dinner with him through a mutual friend introduced me. Um, he's a photographer based in Sydney and just I've never seen anyone else's work like this guy. It's just he's not taking derogatory pictures of women or trying to over-sexualise them or anything like that. He's actually trying to create beautiful images of a person and tell a story. And I've just found in that market, it's very rare. So he was an influence of mine, which actually originally got me into that. I saw, I was thinking about doing that kind of photography, but didn't really know how I wanted to approach it. And I saw one of his images and that just started it all for me. So getting back to what you spoke about earlier with Cameron Hammond being a big influence in your work, what are your thoughts on today's sort of Instagram-fueled fashion scenario that seems to be playing out with anyone with a iPhone can just kind of seem to just take photos of, of whatever they want for whoever they want? I think it's actually great. Um, you might not have expected that answer, but I think it's a good thing because it just pushes everyone else to do better and be better and work harder. I think the amount of competition that there is is quite healthy. And to be honest, I've seen some influencers, as you would say, or just some girls on uh, social media that take the photos of themselves that do it better than the photographers. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy. They just have a really good eye for setting up the shot, the location, styling. Um, I found that the women are way better at styling themselves usually. <laughs> and yeah, I. I I personally think it's a good thing and sort of without Instagram and these social media platforms, it makes it a lot harder for people to get their voice out there and be seen because then you're just under the pecking order of who, who gets to say yes to who um, is in the industry. Um, it's more sort of who you know in that case. But with Instagram, like you can just go out and do it yourself and if you're doing good work on a consistent basis – then people are going to see you, basically. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely going to open up the whole sort of game for photographers and, like you said, make people really look at the work itself, not actually just with who's taking the photos or who's landing these contracts. Yeah, so that, that's the positive side of it. The negative side of it that I've seen is I've seen some really good photographers start out with their shoots, and this is more looking on the editorial side of things, so fashion, They'll start off and their work is amazing and then they slowly fold into what Instagram wants to see. So a close-up butt shot, a close-up boob shot, and that's just all it is. 
And to me, that's just kind of like selling your soul just to get seen. Um, and I think that's the negative side of Instagram. And that's sort of one of the traps. And it's probably the hardest, one of the hardest things to avoid because these people want to be seen and they want to get bigger and they want to do what they love, but they end up giving away what they actually love to be seen. Um, and that's one of the traps of the social media that I've seen uh, happen to quite a few people. Like they're now successful, but to find success if you're unhappy with what you're doing. So I just wanted to move on to something which I personally have been extremely curious in finding out from the guests who I'm having on this show. And that is finding the moments within their life or journey where maybe a mentor or a friend within the field perhaps has given them advice that has really changed things for them. Tell me about the best piece of advice that you've ever received. Gee, that's a tough one. I've probably gotten most of my advice from podcasts I listen to or books that I read or YouTube videos that I watch. I do, uh, I read a lot on um, business entrepreneurs and people who are actually doing things like uh, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, who else can I rattle off on the top of my head? Um, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, all those people that are doing sort of crazy things that you think can't be done but they are. I draw a lot of my inspiration from them and a lot of the advice and things. But on that note, something that I've kind of noticed recently in the last sort of eight months to a year that's helped me out hugely is basically claiming responsibility for everything. Any problem that you've got in your life or in your business is ultimately always your fault. (laughs) And if you can own up to all these things that are going wrong, it opens you up to the ability to fix it and learn from it and move on and, and get better. But if you can't admit that you're the one at fault, you're never going to grow. And, and an example of that is I also co-own a coffee shop and we have staff and say I've got a staff member who's not performing how I'd like them to or they're doing something wrong. I can't turn around and go, oh, Karen isn't operating how I'd like and blame it on her because it's actually my fault for not teaching her the right way or not leading in the correct way. And I've only just started to open up to that in the last, like I said, eight to eight months to a year. And it's really helped me like tenfold. So that's one piece of advice. If that's kind of going off your question a little bit, but that's just what I got to out of that. You're definitely right. People these days really do need to just take responsibility for what they're doing and not just trying to diffuse the blame off to someone else because you just get caught in these negative loops of just, you know, not really moving yeah. forward or in any direction, really. Yeah, and on that moving forward thing, it's also helped me immensely in that respect of if I haven't put in the work during that day, if I look back at the day that I've just done and gone, and being 100% honest with myself and going, have I done what I needed to do to get to my future? If I'm honest with myself, then I know what I need to fix the next day. But if I lie to myself, I'm never going to make it. So that's been a huge one. So going back to what we spoke about previously in the other question, with social platforms like Instagram constantly showing quality content from creatives all over the world, it's easy these days to become extremely critical of your own work. When have you found yourself comparing yourself to others? And do you feel that it's a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, it's both. I don't really, it might sound sound like it's not the truth, but I don't really compare myself to others. My main problem has always been comparing myself to 
my expectations. And I used to have this real attitude of it's, I'm not releasing it unless it's perfect. And I've learned that nothing's ever perfect and I've never got those things too perfect. And then the world's just never seen it. It's been a huge problem of mine. I'm an absolute perfectionist. And if to put something out in the world that I know isn't up to the standard that I thought I could have done is actually really hard for me to do. And I actually have just canned that completely with the drone and aerial stuff that I do. And now I release all my B-grade stuff. I'd personally call it D-grade. Just, I just put everything out there now because at least in that sense, people can see it. And if they can see it, then at least you're doing something and you're being known. But if I spend all this time trying to be perfect and I never release it, I don't exist. I could say I'm the best in the world, but it doesn't matter if no one ever sees it, <laughs> which I don't think I am, but that's just a statement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what's the point of, of putting all this time and effort into actually going out there and trying to produce the the perfect work that you've got envisioned in your head and also my head? I'm similar to you in that sense. But yeah, I, yeah. one thing I've found as well is you've just got to kind of put it out there and, and sometimes it's the photos or the, the clips that you think nothing of that actually blow up. Yeah. Yeah, um, actually, I've had one of those those instances actually happen where I wasn't going to release this clip and I gave it to to the guy who was in it. And it, it this happened, uh, I think, November last year, and I still get reposts from it every day. It's collectively had like over 10 million views on all the different platforms. And that was something that I was just like, oh, yeah, that's just a piece of B-grade footage. Um, I'm not going to put that out there. And it just went crazy without me doing anything. So I really learned from that one hugely, like you just need to put everything out because you don't know what people are going to love and what they're not. They might love something that you hate. Yeah, it's 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 pretty interesting subject. Um, I, I do believe on the perfectionist side of things that to try and do your best every time, but just release it anyway, Get 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 the work out there. Yeah, absolutely. So I wouldn't mind talking to you a little about your drone stuff. Um, you've yep. recently jumped straight into the aerial photography and, and filmmaking and really have started to blow up recently. Your name just seems to be reposted on WSL and just all over the place, everywhere I look. Um, how, yeah. <laughs> how, did that, how did that come about and what was it that led you to buying a drone and maybe not using your camera as much? What led me to actually buying a drone was because I get really bored just shooting from land of surfing. I need to actually be doing something. And I found that the drone itself felt more like I was playing a game. It was more involved. I had more to think of at the time. There was a, there's a lot of things going on to get the shot that you're after. I could imagine it's a lot like shooting in water, which I've never done, but you know, you've got to swim around, you've got to be in the right spot. All the elements have got to match up. There's a bit of danger there. Um, like I can crash the drone at any moment. I've nearly lost it countless times. So it was really the boredom that I would get from shooting on land. And then this the drone thing came along and I was just amazed by it that you could stream footage live from the air to your phone in high def. I just, I couldn't believe it <laughs> for like less than a grand. So I actually purchased the drone secondhand off a gentleman named Chris White, who's really good at what he does, and he gave me a great deal for it. So very thankful for that. And that, that's sort of how I got into that, into the whole drone thing. As far as the footage getting out to people 
and the WSL and all them taking them on, I kind of know the mindset behind how it got there. Originally, when I would go down and film surfing, there wasn't anyone of a big name in the water. It was just like my mates and random people that were out in the surf. I'd, I'd just go down and film people out at a certain spot. And then I would just hit them up, find them on social media and say, here's your footage, come and pick it up off me. Um, no cost, nothing. I just, I just, it came from, uh, I guess it came from a place of where I was surfing and someone got a picture of me, but I never got to see it. And I just wanted to give people that opportunity to see this awesome new footage of themselves because it means a lot to them. So I did that for the first year of having my drone. I'd just give people the footage. I'd find them and say, here you go. And then that evolved to a couple of lucky sessions where there were some big names out. And I did the same thing, made a clip and posted it. And then they asked me for it. And then it snowballed onto the WSL's page and then, I went to them and asked if there's anything I can do in the future for them, please let me know. And it just sort of went from there. The relationships built it. Um, I just always approached the relationship a way of how do I give to them? And it seems to, it seems to help. Giving to others seems to push you forward. Yeah, absolutely. With building relationships with these brands and agencies, so to speak, what advice would you give aspiring creatives or people maybe who are in university and just trying to make that break, what advice would you give them about pitching their work to these big names and brands? Yeah, um, try. <laughs> just, <laughs> go, just, just go and do it. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things like people ask, how do I get in front of them? You, you can literally DM these people on Instagram and sometimes you'll get their attention, sometimes you won't. But you also need to be offering something these people are usually quite busy. They've got a lot of offers on the table and you need to be going in saying, hey, this is what I can do for you and don't ask for anything in return and don't expect anything in return. If you really want to do it, just get out there and just give and it'll all start flowing back and that's sort of what happened to me with the drone work and it also happened to me in the editorial work too. That's just the approach I took was just, I want to do these things. You could use these here would you like to have them and also be prepared for rejection it happens a lot um this is getting off the topic of the photography but i also i would actually say my main work is a web developer i build custom websites i'm actually coding i would say is my trade my main trade and i'm in the process of trying to rebuild a business with a different approach and uh, develop websites for agencies and what i've done is found a couple of hundred agencies that I like. So I've scrolled through Instagram for hours and hours trying to find these sites and I've emailed each one individually. And out of the 200, about five replied. And out of the five, one might have been positive. And then, so I took another approach where I was like, okay, I'm wrong here. I'm, I'm going to these agencies and I'm asking for work with nothing in return. So I've gone back to these agencies and said, exactly that. I'm asking for work with nothing in return. Here's what I'd like to offer. And then I'm offering to build their first basic website free of charge, which is actually like a week's worth of work for me. So it's a huge thing. But from doing that, I'm now getting work from these agencies on a regular basis. So just find these people. Doesn't hurt to ask. Offer them something and be prepared for rejection. And be graceful in rejection if it happens. 
that's my advice. Mate, that's brilliant advice. I wish um I wish I'd been told that, you know, about five or six years ago myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well I didn't know that five, six years ago either. So So I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of listeners out there who are pretty interested in knowing what equipment you use. Um, I know it's something that always just seems to get thrown around and no one really cares about, but I've kind of been yeah. surprised with how many people actually are really intrigued about the, the equipment people use who are at your yeah. level. So as photographers and filmmakers, we always have that one piece of equipment that you know we use all the time and we couldn't live without. What would that piece yeah. of equipment be for you? Okay, so that piece of equipment relates to the editorial photography that I was doing. And that is a fixed 50 millimeter Carl Zeiss lens. It's just, that's all I've ever shot those shoots with. I don't know why I love it so much, but I do. I just, the photos that I was getting with it were incredible compared to my, it's a $900 lens. It's completely manual focus. So you gotta, you gotta know how to use it. You gotta work hard to get the shot. Um, and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. It made me really pay attention to what I was shooting similar to that if you were shooting on film you've got to really be careful with what photo you're taking to make sure you get the right photo instead of just being trigger happy and firing away and hoping for the best it's just 99 percent of the time that's not going to work it's not going to get you that high quality work so that's the piece of equipment that i couldn't do without and as far as what i use for drone work this is the funny one because i'm still using a second-hand DJI Phantom 3 standard. So the most base-level drone you can get from DJI, and I'm not sure if they even sell it anymore. That's that's still what I'm using to this day. I've had the pleasure of flying with a Inspire 2 recently, um, which I'm actually flying for a pro surfer named Jack Robinson, and it's just a whole different piece of kit. The photography I get out of it is so much better. But... I believe it's pretty important to learn what your, your craft on the hardest piece of equipment possible because you really understand how things work better. Whereas if you go out and buy the best piece of equipment but don't understand how it works, it just you just kind of you never progress. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of little grommets out there who are absolutely stoked at the idea that you're using um, an outdated drone and still getting the, the clips you're getting. So that's, <laughs> that's unreal to hear. So I just wanted to take things a little bit further forward and um, and ask if you often think about where photography and filmmaking is headed in the future. And through thinking about it, does it actually influence the way you approach your work today? Oh, I've never thought about that, to be honest. I don't have a clue where it's going. I'm sure it's a great place. It's probably going, it's probably going to somehow go into the virtual reality world. I don't know. All I know is that whatever's happening is I'm going to try and try the new technologies and keep up with the world and not try and live how I want photography to be or how I see it to be, but how the world actually perceives it and where the world's going. An example of that is some photographers who are still stuck on film, which I personally love myself as well, but haven't embraced the new technology and all the benefits of it or others that um, look at drones and go, oh, this is stupid. Why Why do we have those things? I feel like if you're not um, at least trying to innovate, you, you'll eventually die. So I don't know where it's going. I have no clue. But all I do know is whatever's happening, I'm going to try and keep up with it. 
The last thing I wanted to touch on, I know you haven't been doing it recently, you've been doing a lot of other stuff, but to do with your commercial work, being a male photographer, taking photos of females who are close to or sometimes probably almost completely naked, I'm sure at times that can be a little strange. What were some of the hardest things that you had to overcome before starting out with commercial photography and how did you manage to overcome them? Okay, so this is going to be a weird answer because for me it came naturally. Um, But I have actually thought about why because I've had this question asked a few times. And I think the very first shoot I ever did, uh, the girl was topless in it. And a lot of guys... A lot of guys come up and ask the wrong questions. They're like, they they're like, oh my god, how did you manage to do that? That must be wicked, blah blah blah. But it's just it's the wrong mindset. If that's something that you want to get into, so to answer the question to those that want to start doing the nude photography or the topless stuff or whatever it is, if the reason you're getting into it is to see women naked, don't. You, you're going to fail. It's just not going to work. They'll be able to sense it. It's just gross to to approach it from that mindset. And yeah, I think it's just wrong. It has to come from a good place. And usually, I don't even really know the reason why I started shooting like that or why it happened. I think it was just more of a being inspired by nature and being the person being in their natural state. And it just evolved to for that to happen. But in no case can you be wanting anything further from that person. You have to be on a purely professional level and in no way a creep because if there's the tiniest inkling of that in you, it's just not going to work. And also a big thing to note um, for anyone that wants to do that is you can never, ever ask the girl on the day. She needs to know in advance of the shoot that that might happen and also needs to feel safe by you saying something like, I will ask if you want to take your top off. If you say no, that's fine. I won't argue it. It doesn't matter. We can still get the shot either way. So it's really, it's got to come from a good place. And if if you're in it for the wrong reasons, don't even bother. It's not going to work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like that's something which um, a lot of people these days, they're trying to they're trying to find a broad spectrum of, of where they're taking their work. And sometimes people are, are looking into all different areas to find it. So I just thought that that might be a helpful question to some of our listeners who are a little bit unsure about that, yeah, about that whole scenario. Sure. All right. Well, before we wrap things up today, I'd just like to let all the listeners know that you can find information on everything me and Brendan have discussed today, links taking you everywhere, as well as even some of Brendan's work over at pitchedindustries.com. But are there any other places you would like the audience to go to find out more about your work and what you've got planned for the future, Brendan? Um, uh, yeah, you could, you could jump on my Instagram. So um, Azure underscore code. Um, there's also Brendan underscore Foster. That's the editorial stuff, but you won't see anything on there for a while. I've sort of put that one to the side for now, just doing a bit too much at once. But most of my stuff you can see on Azure underscore co. I also have another page called The Designer's Developer, which is my web stuff, but that's probably going to be of no interest to anyone on here. Yeah, Azure Co is where most of my stuff is going out. And um, if anyone has any questions from this podcast as well, just send me a DM and I'll answer it. I'll definitely be putting all those links in the show notes for anyone who's interested in finding more out about Brendan and what he's up to. But for now, man, I'd really just like to say thanks so much for coming on the show. No, man, thanks for asking me on. Uh, Like I said, I wasn't really sure why, 
um, I was getting picked for this, but I really appreciate it and it's great to do something new. Thanks. So that's it for today, guys. I hope you got something out of this podcast or it's made you think a little bit about how you might be able to approach things a little differently. I would love to hear from you guys about what you think of the podcast. If there are any things you'd like me to add or even any particular guests you'd like me to get on the show. To get in contact with me, head over to pitchedindustries.com, subscribe to the newsletter or send me an email via the contact page. Or you can send me a DM on Instagram at pitchedindustries. I'd love to hear some feedback from you guys. For now, I'll leave it there, but I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys next week. Cheers.